are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. You're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day listening to who? The always charismatic, always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, MillerThomas24. That's myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to follow more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account. Or just look up Locked on Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. Now, for today's show, we are doing part two of free agents the Diamondbacks should consider. We did part one yesterday. Today's part two. We're looking at MLB's top 50 free agents according to MLB trade rumors and we're going to be doing a little synopsis off the blurb they written for each guy talk about projected salaries pros and cons for these players why the D-backs should go after them or why they shouldn't these are targets that I think the D-backs should go after they don't have to take my uh, opinion of course but I think it would be pretty nice if they considered it so we're going to be talking a whole bunch of free agency and off-season talk today but Thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. This podcast is not possible without you listening, subscribing, sharing, reviewing. So thank you for doing all that. So because of all that, I'm able to do this podcast for you. So thank you so much for that. But now let's jump right into the podcast, breaking down part two, free agents the Diamondbacks should consider. daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Miller Thomas of Locked On Diamondbacks still here, and the hot stove has officially started. We see Eduardo Rodriguez getting like a five-year, $80 million deal from the Tigers. So D-backs, there are bad teams out there spending money. Uh, the Angels signed Noah Syndergaard to a $20 million, $21 million deal. It was either $20, $21 million one-year deal today as well. And the Blue Jays re-upped Jose Barrios to like a seven-year, $130 million deal. But the Tigers and Angels, two bad teams from last season, uh, putting big money into pitchers. Uh, D-backs, you might have to be next because I'm getting controversial right off the bat. I'm not wasting any time. This first name is someone that everyone's going to roll their eyes at when I say it, but I think it's a possibility, and that is Clayton Kershaw, who falls number 33 on the top 50 free agents. Remember, we're starting from the bottom, working our way to the top. He's projected a one-year, $20 million deal, and Kershaw, we already know his resume, three Cy Young Awards, and the, the, the thing with Kershaw is, of course, he's in the decline. He averaged 90.7 miles per hour on his fastball this season. It's a little bit lower than 2020, but still right in the range from 2018 to 2019. Kershaw, of course, was huge in the 2020 championship run for the Dodgers. 293 year rate over five starts. And the thing with Kershaw is... Of course, no one's going to think he's actually going to come to the D-backs uh, because 
He's the Dodger uh, NL West rival, but I think we could have said the same thing for another aging NL West pitcher just a few years ago, just a couple seasons ago, and that is Madison Bumgarner, who decided to sign with the D-back. So maybe it's not out the realm of possibility that Kershaw does it either. He dealt with health issues this past season. He started the season late. He wasn't able to finish the season because of a forearm issue, and the Dodgers didn't uh, extend him a qualifying offer. So it basically feels like he might go back to the Dodgers or maybe try his way with the Texas Rangers. But if he's already going to go to a bad team, why not come to the Arizona Dimebacks? Because here are the pros for why he should come here or why the D-backs should go after Kershaw. Number one, their new pitching coach, Strom, is great with aging pitchers. Don't forget what he did for Justin Verlander's career. Verlander was already an all-time pitcher by the time he got to Houston, but his career literally went to another level when he got with Strom. His strikeouts per nine jumped by like four strikeouts per nine. So when you work with Strom, you get considerably better. And there's still some underlying numbers that show you Kershaw is still a good pitcher right now. He still had a 3.55 ERA this past season, 2021. Still pretty damn good. Would have been pretty damn good on the D-backs rotation this year. 3 FIP, a 3.00 FIP. 29.5% strikeout rate is still elite. 4.3% walk rate still pretty good. 1.019 whip. A 170, a 170 average and a 440 OPS allowed against lefties. Kershaw absolutely dominant against lefty batters. And again, just another all-time NL West pitcher coming to the D-backs would just be a fantastic story for all D-backs fans out there. He may be an aging guy, but Kershaw can still get it done. And in this D-backs rotation, he would probably be a number two or number three. But why? What, what are the negatives of Clint Kershaw at this point of his career? Well, of course, he's old. He's in his mid-30s. He's probably going to want to play for a contender. So that's really not where the D-backs are going to be. But if he just wants to go team up with Madison Bumgarner and just give a big middle finger to the other NL West teams, especially the Dodgers, then he should come here. His home run percentage has been around 3.3% uh, the last five years, around 3.3% the last five years. It was below 1.5% before that. So the last few years, his home run percentage allowed has ticked up a little bit. Could be looking for his last big deal. The D-backs, of course, don't like to spend money. Fastball slowing down, which makes sense. He would fit right into this staff with Bumgarner and Merrill Kelly. He don't throw hard already. Uh, in high leverage moments, Clint Kershaw was not that good in 2021. 350 average allowed and 920 OPS allowed. That's not very good. And if the D-backs defense continues to struggle, there's going to be a lot of high leverage moments for Kershaw to work his way around. And also another clutch stat that Kershaw was not very good at that kind of surprised me. Two outs, runners in scoring position. 277 average and 824 OPS allowed. Clayton Kershaw was not that good in the clutch stats metrics, which kind of surprised me. Plus the slowing down fastball, the rising home run rate. Those are some big concerns for the D-backs. But considering Kershaw is still a pretty damn good pitcher and he would still be arguably the second best pitcher on this D-backs rotation, I think it would still be a pretty good idea if the D-backs could go out there and get him if he's not too much money. 
Plus, with their new pitching coach, he could really take Kershaw's late career to the next level. So I wouldn't be opposed to adding Kershaw to the D-backs rotation. I think it would be kind of fun and kind of interesting. We got Bumgarner there. We got Zach Allen, the stud. We got Bumgarner from the Giants. Let's add uh, Kershaw from the Dodgers. And who who else? Who, who else from these NL West teams want to come over? John Gray from the Colorado Rockies. Does he want to come over? So I would like to add Kershaw, one, for the narrative, and number two, because he's still a pretty damn good pitcher now the second guy i want to talk about and we're only going to do two guys per segment today because part one yesterday i tried doing three guys per segment and i realized my back was freaking against the wall with time so we're not doing that today i want to be a little bit more thoughtful really spend time on these guys and really dive deep into the numbers so the next guy we're going to talk about is kyle seager projected a two-year 24 million dollar deal falls 31 on the top 50 free agents list blue jays and mets are projected to be interested and among free agents, Marcus Simeon is the only guy to hit more home runs than the 35 Kyle Seeger hit. And he it seems like Kyle Seeger wanted to go all out in the power department because he posted a career worst strikeout rate and batting average. So you don't like to see those two things for a guy in his mid-30s. But when I look at the free agent market, it's pretty weak, and Kyle Seager is one of the best on here. He still had 35 home runs. If we're going to run through the pros and cons, he still had 35 home runs. He still had over 100 RBIs. His hard hit percentage for his career is 40%. His career exit velocity is 89 and a half miles per hour. So for his career, this guy just crushes the advanced hard contact analytics career best Home run percentage in 2019 and 2021 at 5.2%. Similar stats against righties and lefties. That I always like to see that whenever a pitcher or a hitter is kind of the same against righties and lefties. That's I, I like to see that. I also like to see if maybe if you're just dominant against one side, that's okay too. But if you're also good or similarly good against both sides, I also like that. Either one can be a pro. Just depends on how you look at it. On the road, Kyle Seager's numbers were pretty phenomenal. 261 average, 861 OPS. I like that more. I think looking at these players' road numbers are really important because if the guy is only good at home and terrible on the road, well, guess what? You're not going to be playing in Safeco next year. So the fact that he's actually better on the road, his numbers were terrible at home. They actually cratered at home. He was terrible when he had to play at the Mariners stadium but on the road this dude put up all-star level numbers so guess what if he's in the D-backs uniform he's never gonna be playing in Mariners stadium so maybe he can have an even better season than he just had in 2021 and his clutch numbers 308 average and 1015 OPS for runners in scoring position that's exactly what the D-backs need but what are some numbers that might turn the D-backs off his strikeout percentage has been 19 19% or higher three of the last four seasons. So he strikes out around a fifth of the time the last four seasons. Contact percentage of all pitches and against strikes would have been one of the worst on the team last season. Just not very good straight contact hitter. Uh, career OBP 321. He's in his mid-30s, so he might want to be playing for contender at this point of his season. And because of the lack of talent in the third base market, he could be a hot commodity. So a team could give him a fat contract if they have a big need. But when I look at when, when I take everything in consideration, I think Kyle Seeger could be a better version of Eduardo Escobar. He's got the same power with a slightly better OBP. 
Uh, same level of defense. He doesn't have the versatility, but he's an above average third base defender. He strikes out probably a little bit less than Eduardo Escobar does with slightly better hard rate of contact numbers, hard contact rate numbers, or however you want to say it. The hard contact numbers love uh, Kyle Seager. So because of the, all that, he's a power RBI producer, struggles to get on base repeatedly. That seems like Eduardo Escobar already, and I think he has a slightly higher season Uh. I believe he has a slightly higher ceiling than Eduardo Escobar as well because so because of all that again one of those days I'm struggling to talk so because of all that all the stats I just said I believe Kyle Seager could be a better version of Eduardo Escobar and if that turns out to be true the D-back should go after Kyle Seager the only thing that gives me a pause for concern is the money that other teams are going to throw out at him and the D-backs are just not gonna unfortunately be shelling out a lot of money this offseason. Now we'll get into some more very interesting free agent targets for the D-backs, but did you know this episode is brought to you by Built Bar? I love Thanksgiving, all the good food and treats and plenty of them, but maybe you want a yummy dessert but isn't so full of calories and sugar. It's the perfect time for Built Bars. Built Bar is the new holiday dessert. Feast on something delicious and feel good about it. One slice of pie has upwards of 300 calories and that's on the low end. Most Bilt Bars are only 130 calories and only 4 grams of sugar with plenty of protein. Replace the coconut cream pie with coconut Bilt Bar. Go for a raspberry Bilt Bar instead of that raspberry pie. Lots of good flavors to replace any pie. Low calorie, low carb, low fat, high protein, covered in 100% real chocolate. Bilt is a great option for when you're hungry if Thanksgiving isn't coming soon enough. Go for a Bilt bar or two. Share some of your family gatherings. It'll make things less awkward. Maybe Aunt Betty hasn't tried a Bilt bar yet. New surprises all month. Limited time flavors arriving at Bilt.com regularly. So check this site often. There's nothing like a Bilt bar Black Friday. Mark your calendar. Black Friday will be a huge event with all sorts of surprises. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCK15, you'll get 15% off your next order. Promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the pod and let's move on with some more free agent targets for the Diamondbacks and this next guy is another LA Dodger who probably has no chance of coming to the D-backs but I don't care because I think this should be a realistic target for the D-backs assuming he's not too expensive that is Canley Jansen projected two years 26 million 13 million a year for a reliever is a lot the D-backs will not be spending that amount of money but still I still want to talk about Canley Jansen because this guy has had a devastating cutter throughout the majority of his career it's the reason he had a 2.08 2.08 year rate over his first eight seasons in the Dodgers uniform but the last few years he's really started to cut that cutter back because Players just have been able to jump on it, and he only threw his cutter around 58% in 2021. It was around 85 to 90% 
uh, you know, basically pre-2017, pre-2018, but now it's down to just 58% in 2021. That's how often he's throwing it. Sinker around 26% of the time, slider around 15% of the time. So he's got a three-pitch arsenal. His ERA back in 2019 was like a 377. It looks like the end was near for Kenley Jensen, but he has started to reinvent himself, done it the last couple years, and now he has an ERA back down to just 2.22 this past season. He looks good once again, and if we have to break down the pros and cons of why the D-backs need to go after Canley Jansen, we will do it. Because in 2021, he had 11 strikeouts per nine, a 1.043 whip, a 3.08 FIP, and the lowest hits per nine and home runs per nine since 2016. This guy basically reinvented himself after having two seasons that looked like he was in the, de in the decline, he came back for a resurgent season 2021, 38 saves. He looked really good this past season. And if you look at his inherited runners on the season, only two of them scored 13% of all of his inherited runners scored. He had 16 inherited runners on the season. Only two of them scored. This guy, when he comes in with runners on the bases, he shuts down those innings. His strikeout percentage has been above 30% the last three seasons. He's devastating to righties and lefties equally. I looked it up. The OPS was like below 550 or something crazy against righties and lefties. And his away array is almost two points better then at home, which again, I like because you're not going to be pitching in Dodger Stadium next season if you're in a D-backs uniform. So the fact that he's actually better on the road than at home gives me a lot of respect. Or I guess I give a lot of respect for him, to him, for that. And also, he hasn't lost velo or spin on his pitches despite being in his mid-30s. His velocity and the spin rate on his pitches actually went to stack halves and tracked it. They've been the same. So the sticky stuff cracked down. The reason why uh, opposing batters were starting to actually come after his cutter and start doing damage against it wasn't because it wasn't as effective in terms of velocity or spin rate. It was just because he's probably thrown it 90% of the time for almost a decade and Players just saw it a ton and they finally caught up to it. So uh, it's actually a positive to know that he's 34, 35 and hasn't lost velocity on those pitches. But if you have to do the cons for Canley Jansen, he is in his mid 30s. Like a lot of these guys, if you're in your mid, if you're in your mid 30s as an athlete, you probably don't want to go to a potential rebuilding team, especially when you're potentially looking for your last contract. So I don't know if he's going to come here. He had a 3.92 ERA when he had zero days of rest. Well, guess what? The D-backs bullpen, if they go out there and get Canley Jansen, they're probably just going to be living around the margins in other areas. So they're probably going to need to go to Canley Jansen probably 50 out of 55 days. And he's just not as good when he has zero days of rest. When he has between uh, one and three days of rest, his ERA is below two. It's 3.92 when he has zero days of rest. I thought that was pretty interesting. His walk rate this past season. 13%, pretty high for a Canley Jansen. I didn't expect it to be that high. It's only 7.3 for his career, and a 66.6 .6 strikeout percentage was the second lowest since his sophomore season. So throwing more balls and throwing less strikes, you don't like to see that for an aging pitcher, but the fact that he, the fact that he reinvented himself uh, makes me less wary of those stats. He'll probably be too expensive for the D-backs to get, but with the with, with the rise in walks, I'm okay with that because his strikeout rate is still pretty deadly, pretty devastating. And the D-backs just don't have a back-end reliever. They don't have a closer. So the D-backs could get their hands on a Canley Jensen. I think that would be a, 
uh, a tremendously huge addition to the back end of this bullpen. And I actually have another reliever that the D-backs should think about. Kendall Graveman, who falls number 28 on MLB Trade Rumors Top 50 Free Agents. Canley Jansen was number 29. Graveman projected three years, $27 million. Royals, Astros, and Dodgers projected to be interested. And Graveman, he's a ground ball heavy pitcher. He used to be a starter for the A's from 2015 to 2017. I found that fascinating at a 4.11 ear rate during that time. But then he had Tommy John. A whole bunch of things happened. He ended up with the Mariners last season in 2020. The 2020 shortened season ended up with the Mariners. And he didn't look that good with the Mariners. He started uh, a lot of games for the Mariners in 2020. And then all of a season at the end of the year, they made him come out the bullpen. He was throwing 95. He looked pretty good. He came back this season, 2021, used him as a bullpen reliever full-time and he just basically put it all together for the Mariners this past season 0.82 ERA and a 28% strikeout rate with the Mariners prior to being traded to the Astros now when he did go to the Astros his number slipped quite a bit not drastically but it was not the same guy when he got to the Astros but still when you look at his combination of power and strikeouts and ground balls only three relievers this year can say they had 96 mile an hour fastball 27 percent strikeout rate and a 54 percent ground ball rate and graveman is one of those three pitches one of those three pitchers so let's break down the pros and cons of kendall graveman because this guy 1.4 percent home run rate 3.6 percent extra base hit percentage i won't even talk about his hard hit percentage and exit velo because I'm not even sure what I wrote here, so I apologize for that. But fastball and sinker in the mid to upper 90s. He's got a slider as his main secondary pitch. He's devastating against right-handed batters. 117 average and 348 OPS allowed. ERA almost 1.5 points better in save situations. The D-backs had no closures last year, so if they could get it, a pitcher who's better in save situations than non-save situations, they desperately need that. 196 average and 670 OPS against with runners in scoring position. But what are the ton- the cons of a Kendall Graveman? Could be the best setup man on the market, and considering he's coming off a pretty damn good year, could get a wild offer from a, a team a, a, a team in the shadows, a dark horse team. Another con. He is a guy who reinvented himself late in his career, early 30s. All of a sudden, he's a bullpen arm, a shutdown closer. So maybe there is a little flukiness with him. You could be concerned about that because he did not look the same when he got to the Astros. 296 average and 757 OPS allowed with two outs and runners in scoring position. After 25 pitches, Kendall Graveman is not the same guy in a game. His OPS allowed goes from 510 to over 1,000. So basically double it becomes like double the worst pitcher i don't even know how you would phrase that how you would phrase that i guess he becomes half the pitcher he originally was when he pitches over 25 pitches and his nine percent walk rate in 2021 it's just not that good but why should the d-backs bring him in well i think a lot of his bad stats with the astros were skewed by the month of august he had a terrible month with august month of august with the astros 
After that, September, October is actually pretty good in the Astros uniform. And this could be a guy who feels like he's just been thrown around the league from the Astros, the Mariners to the uh, A's. He could just feel like a guy who has never been wanted in his career. And for a D-backs team that desperately needs bullpen help, this could be a guy that's looking for a home. And the D-backs are a team that are just looking for guests to enter their home. They're looking for people to stay and buy their home. They're like, our house is for sale. We're rebuilding. We need people to come to us. So the D-backs should desperately use a Kendall Graveman. And Graveman probably wants a long-term home, some security. So the D-backs could give that to him, and they both are a perfect match in heaven, in my estimation. Now, we'll go through two more free agent targets I think the D-backs should get, but this episode is brought to you by BetOnline. We're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKDOWN to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Enough talking, let's move on. Let's talk about Steven Matz now. Number 27 on the top 50 MLB free agents. Projected three-year, $27 million deal. Red Sox, Angels, Nationals projected to be interested. I don't know the Angels anymore after that Noah Syndergaard deal, but Matz pitched well for the Blue Jays in 2021. 3-8-2 ERA and 29 starts. His strikeout rate and walk rate were around league average. Only six left-handed starters threw harder than Matz this past season. He averages 94.5 miles per hour on his sinker ball. Matz declined a reported multi-year proposal from the Blue Jays, but the Blue Jays also didn't extend him a qualifying offer. So these two teams, or not two teams, but this team and this player, don't look like they're going to be reuniting after this season. So I think Matt's is going to be leaving and going somewhere else. And what are the pros for why the D-backs should bring him in? He's only 30 years old. Under Strom, I think there's another level to Matt's that maybe a Strom could unlock. He had a 3.82 ERA this past season, 3.79 FIP, 2.8% home run percentage, extra base hit percentage, uh, or excuse me, his 2.8% home run percentage and his extra base hit percentage were the best marks since 2016. His walk percentage was his best since 2017. His 37.9% hard hit percentage was his best since his rookie season. And his strikeout rate was above 22% the last few seasons. So Steven Matz basically had his best season since like 2016, 2017, since his first couple of years in a Mets uniform. Matz was pretty much the same guy against righties and lefties, which I like to see. It depends. Again, sometimes you're just average against you know a righty and the devastating against lefties. If you're pretty good on both sides, that's also okay. So again, it just depends how you look at it and what the numbers say. He has a four-pitch arsenal to work ground balls led by 90-mile-an-hour sinker ball or really a mid-90 sinker ball, 94.5 miles per hour. So Steve Matz is coming off a pretty good season, but 
Why wouldn't the D-backs want him? Because it could have been fool's gold considering his previous ERA over like the his ERA like over the past four seasons was like between a four and a, and a five pretty much. It just wasn't that good before going to the Blue Jays the last few years. Only 31% of his starts this past season were quality starts tied for the second worst in his career. Just didn't have a lot of quality starts. I don't know if that's because the Blue Jays didn't let him pitch deep into games. He just didn't have many starts where he had more than like 80 pitches or not many starts where he had over 99 pitches. He just didn't pitch deep into ball games a lot. So I don't know if that was because of him not looking good or the Blue Jays. And then a 296 average and over 400 slugging percentage allowed on his sinker ball. So his go-to pitch batters actually do damage against we don't like to see so there are some cons in there for Steven Matz but overall he has talent to be a good pitcher he could be this year's Robbie Ray or Kevin Gosman where you get him on a one-year cheaper deal and then he just exceeds expectations it's not going to happen for every team he's on but a team like the D-backs with the pitching coach they have now he could unlock a Steven Matz and he could be the steal free agency so if the D-backs could get him for a relatively cheap deal they should definitely do that then the last guy I want to talk about today it's kind of interesting. Uh, Avisil Garcia of the Brewers, three-year, $36 million deal projected. Outfielder, Royals, Marlins, Rockies projected to be interested. 24 on the top 50 free agent list. Garcia had a solid 2021 season. 115 WRC+. Career best, 29 home runs in 135 games. He's an average defensive player. 88th percent. 88th percentile in sprint speed and most stat cast statistics like him. And the pros for a Garcia as to why the D-back should bring him in, he's only 30 years old, not too old. A 20-plus home run guy the last few years if you prorate his seasons over 150 games. OPS over 800 We know the D-backs don't have like anyone outside Ketel Marte who has an OPS above 800. Uh, 86 RBIs, his 86 RBIs, his 5.6% home run percentage, his 9.1% extra base hit percentage, and his 46.4 home run and his 46.4% hard hit percentage were all career highs when he played at least 100 games. His 935 OPS against righties is absolutely killer. This dude crushes right-hand pitching. OPS over a thousand when batting fifth or sixth. I think that's really important because the D-backs OPS from the fifth or sixth spot in the lineup only around 715. 1399 OPS when ahead in the count. This dude crushes when he's ahead of the count. 294 average and uh, 294 average with runners in scoring position. I believe his OPS is over a thousand with runners in scoring position as well. And a 307 average and 910 OPS in the high leverage moment. So this guy is absolutely clutch, but what are the downsides? His contact percentage, 68%, and his uh and his contact percentage on strikes was 77%. This dude does not make very good contact. His 57.9% swing percentage would have led the team. So basically, Garcia is a hacker. He does not make good contact and he swings at a lot of pitches. But when he does make contact, he usually crushes the ball. 551 OPS when behind to the count. So once again, when he's ahead in the count, OPS over 1,300, but behind 550. This guy struggles when the pitcher has the advantage, which makes sense. You would think he would be worse when behind than ahead of the count, but sometimes some players 
keep it like maybe when he's ahead in the count, it's a 750 OPS. And when he's behind, it's like a 650 OPS. This is two different players we're talking about when he's ahead and behind in the count. And a 620 OPS against power pitchers. And what is a power pitcher? Pitchers who are in the top third of the league in strikeouts and walks. So Garcia overall, I think the D-backs should go out there and get them. Get him because even though he's a bit of a hacker, he, I, I think he could be a better version of Cole Calhoun. Whenever he barrels that ball, he usually crushes it. I don't care that he swings a lot and makes terrible contact because the D-backs, I think, were a little bit too much of a patient team. I think the D-backs didn't swing enough at pitches in 2021, so I like the fact that this guy wants to get things going. He He's not afraid to swing at the first or second pitch of an at-bat. And other reason why I love Garcia, the dude is absolutely clutch high leverage moments runners in scoring position he absolutely crushed it hard contact numbers love him as well so should the d-backs go after garcia yes of course but as always it just depends on the money now that's it for this edition of the locked on dimebacks podcast thank you to everyone who tuned in today i'm gonna try get a a guest on thursday's pod so wish me luck if not we'll continue this series of talking about the top free agents I want the D-backs to go after. Once again, thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. This podcast is not possible without you, so thank you. Go make Lockdown Bets your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Your second listen of the day, Lockdown Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. And of course, as always, please guys, please, please, please try your best to just stay safe and stay healthy out there. Deuces!